0: About the issues that will be impacting the midterms and president biden's agenda which he's struggling with uh first you know being able to address basic things like gas prices they are going down but they could they have a, a resurgence before the midterms and is there anything the white house can do
1: well, it's good to be here. Let's talk about gas prices. They've now been falling for 34 straight days and are down about 50 cents. That makes a big difference for a typical family, probably saving a family about 50 dollars a month at the pump. And based on where the market is currently, we should expect that gas prices will continue to fall. And so uh, we know that gas prices um, really take a bite out of people's pocketbooks and also capture a lot of media attention. When the gas when gas prices were going up, uh, your uh, Uh, your network and others covered it constantly. Now, gas prices are coming down. This is the longest sustained period of gas price reductions in over a decade. Over the weekend, we saw the largest single-day decline in gas prices since 2008. Gas is below $4 a gallon at 20,000 gas stations across the country. So that is uh, good news, good news for the American people. And we do anticipate that those gas prices should keep coming down over the course of the month.
0: So if they stay on course, we're still dealing with record uh, inflation numbers. Uh, is there anything the White House can do without actually driving the economy into a worse situation that will be more painful for people at a time that's politically dangerous for Democrats? That's-
1: Absolutely. And you've seen this president, and this administration not only identify that inflation is our top uh, domestic priority, but also lay out very practical things that we have done and can do. Uh, some of this is about reducing exorbitant costs that are getting passed on to consumers. The president, for example, uh, called out ocean shipping where there are exorbitant costs getting passed on to consumers, brought Democrats, Republicans together, passed legislation. We've seen ocean shipping costs now come down for the last month and a half. We could pass legislation, uh, which we are on the doorstep of doing, to build more semiconductors here in the United States, increase the supply of semiconductors. Why does that matter? Because one of the biggest drivers of inflation has been inadequate supply of vehicles, cars. Uh, ca- uh, cars have contributed to inflation consistently because our automakers can't build enough of them. We pass this legislation, which hopefully will go to the floor of the Senate tomorrow. We'll send a big signal to the world that the United States is going to lead in this industry big national security consequences but will help on the inflation front as well
2: hey brian good morning uh all right that's BlackRock, brian over there at the white house the biden regime telling you it's all happy talk everything is fine don't worry about the gas price see they've come down a little bit you'll be fine the american people will be fine they won't tell you who put these policies in place they won't tell you why gas prices went up and why they stayed up for so long. No, 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 no. But they'll tell you that you can have a second bowl. You can have a second bowl of your gruel. Please, sir, may I have another bowl of gruel? That's what it is. Today is 11 July 2022. Anno, domini, and you are in the war room. Today, we are kicking off the lead day. Jury selection, voir dire begins. The trial of Steve Bannon. I am Jack Posobiec. The host of Human Events Daily. We're filling in today, and I'll be here as long as needed. Let's do a little roundup of what we saw come in over the weekend. Oil hitting one hundred dollars a barrel. So BlackRock Brian, and that's where he comes from, by the way, is BlackRock Brian these Not enough people actually make uh, make a point of this or make reference of this, but actually BlackRock Brian, that's where he comes from. Oil's hitting hundred dollars a barrel, as the Saudis have said. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry president biden but it just turns out that we are not actually going to be selling you anything you get nothing sir good good day you get nothing oil spiking a hundred dollars a bottle russia gazprom declaring force majeure on a number of their contracts to the eu what does that mean we are not fulfilling full stop boom they're calling it they're getting out that Europe is not getting their gas. What does that mean? Germany now warning of violent protests and uprisings over rising energy costs. Zelensky over in Ukraine fires the head of Ukrainian state security. That's their Intel services, as well as the prosecutor general. I don't know what that means. Maybe, maybe somebody was trying to cut off the 10% for the big guy. Maybe somebody was trying to investigate Burisma. That's something that we used to have a problem with over there. I guess nobody seems to talk about Burisma very much anymore. And now here in the in the Washington, D.C., at the mayor of D.C. over the weekend talking about how upset she is that illegal aliens are being tricked to go onto buses and then be brought to her city. And they're overwhelming and flooding city services. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Mayor Bauer, that the consequences of your actions are here to slap you in the face. And then finally, over in the Indianapolis area, Greenwood Mall. A good Samaritan, good guy with a shooter. We're going to have Drew Hernandez come up in the second hour to break down that and so much that's going on. But first, I wanted to bring in and kick off the entire show with Mike Davis, founder and president of the Article 3 Project, to talk about the fact that we're in day one of the show trial of Stephen K. Bannon. He is over there, walked in with a smile on his face. I don't know if you guys have the video, but the Perryman Federal Courthouse, just down the street from where we sit here in Washington, D.C., we walked in with a smile on his face, waving to... Uh, waving to the cameras as he goes in. Today will be jury selection in that trial. Of course, a D.C. jury pool. Probably not going to be very favorable to someone with the name of Stephen K. Bannon. And we've already seen that the judge in the case has denied almost every single legal recourse and defense to him in the case. So there isn't going to be much. In fact, the prosecutors actually came out and I read this in the Washington Post over the weekend that they said it may only be a one-day case for the prosecution. But let's bring in, do we have Mike here? So, Mike, tell us where do we sit? What does it mean that when you got guys like Clapper, when you got guys like Brennan, who blatantly lie through their teeth material falsehoods to Congress, never charged? Eric Holder refuses to turn over actual documents, right, from Fast and Furious to the Congress. None of these people are charged with material false statements. But you have a situation like this where you have to go back 50 years to G. Gordon Liddy and Watergate to find someone who was convicted of contempt of Congress. But now Stephen K. Bannon, the former chief strategist of the president of the United States is being put on show trial for this. And I think the, that most of the country, and I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna cut the crap, right? Both sides know that the only reason he's there is because of the effectiveness of the war room posse, the effectiveness of the national populist Movement, and the fact that he was the architect of so much of the MAGA movement, the 2016 victory, and they're trying to take him off the playing field for 2024. This is the regime going after the opposition. What say you, Mike Davis?
3: Well, I agree, Jack. And if you look at Attorney General Merrick Garland, when he went into this job, most people thought that this would be a sober adult in this role. He's a former federal judge on the D.C. Circuit, the second highest court in the land. And I think people have been shocked that he is he has so politicized the Justice Department. This is the Attorney General who sicked the FBI after parents legally protesting at public school board meetings in Loudoun County. He, he has sent the FBI to hunt down every grandma and goofball who merely trespassed into the Capitol and took selfies on January 6th. He's pursuing... Well, not only contempt-
2: that, but we've got, not to, not to cut you off, but we have a 69-year-old grandmother with cancer is now from Idaho is now going behind bars from a federal judge, ordering her to be sentenced for, and I look this up, parading in the Capitol. Nonviolent offender, parading in the Capitol, 69-year-old cancer survivor, yet we're gonna march around the world and we're gonna talk about like we're some moral better when we go over to the Saudis and we go over to the Russians, we go to the Chinese, the North Koreans, and say we don't do things like this when we are quite literally doing things like this.
3: Yeah, I mean, she's going to jail for 60 days and she has cancer and it's ridiculous. She. She, she merely trespassed into the Capitol. Yeah, that's a, that's a crime. They should be punished, but 60 days in jail for a 69 year old grandmother with no prior criminal history uh, for taking selfies. It's ridiculous. This, this whole January 6th, uh, this whole January 6th committee is a charade. It's so these are all members appointed by Nancy Pelosi. The Republicans are even appointed by Nancy Pelosi Uh, they're, they're, they're working hand in glove with Merrick Garland and the Biden justice part. Let me just, just give you some perspective here. I I was the chief counsel for nominations on the Senate judiciary committee. I ran 30 hearings, 41 markup meetings. I ran a lot of these things. And during the Kavanaugh proceedings, the uh, justice Kavanaugh's uh, Senate confirmation proceedings, we had our committee disrupted constantly for the first two hours of the proceedings nothing happened to those people they didn't get charged with parading parading in the in the senate we had senators harassed we had senators chased into private elevators and intimidated not Jeff like in the
2: elevator right everyone remembers yeah. that no,
3: nothing happens nothing happened at all we had michael avenatti who clearly made false statements to the committee on behalf of his sleazebag client julie swetnick Then Chairman Chuck Grassley, my former boss, made two criminal referrals to the Justice Department for obvious, blatant lies to the committee and obstruction of the the Senate proceedings. The Justice Department didn't even respond to the chairman's letter. But yet, we're going to do these unprecedented prosecutions of, of, of Steve Bannon and Navarro for contempt of Congress. This has never happened. This is a political witch hunt, and. The Gar- the the Garland Justice Department is working hand in glove with these partisan hacks on and, and Trump deranged rhinos on the January sixth committee to go after Bannon. He asserted a valid claim for executive privilege. We have had executive privilege going back to our founding, so presidents can have candid discussions with their advisors. And if they if the if the committee thought it was an invalid claim of executive privilege, well, and, and they Mike, should, Mike, let's
2: Let's break that Go down ahead. a little bit. Why is that? Why? What? Why is executive privilege so important? Why do you need a separate executive who can have these discussions with his advisors, uh, both whether they're in the White House or out? Right. I, I keep hearing MSNBC make this argument about Steve. He wasn't currently employed at the time. Right. Why is it so important for that to be kept as a privileged conversation away from the legislative? How, how would that work out?
3: Well, it's the 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 under the, our founding fathers understood that the president had to be able to operate in secrecy at times and be able to trust his advisors be able to trust that he's having candid discussions with his advisors so he can perform his critical executive function of running the executive branch of the government. And we've had executive privilege going back to George Washington. And so presidents have have asserted executive privilege and the the Former presidents have, have asserted executive privilege and current presidents maintain those assertions of executive privilege for the fir- former president. In this case, there's uh, Steve Bannon is, is alleging that, that President Trump asserted executive privilege. And Steve Bannon presented a letter recently that President Trump said he was waiving executive privilege for Bannon so he can testify. But there was an assertion of executive privilege. Now, if the if the Justice Department, if the committee, if the January 6th Kangaroo Commission didn't think it was a valid assertion of executive privilege, they could have litigated that in court. Instead, they did this unprecedented move of, of pursuing criminal charges against Steve Bannon, something that just doesn't happen. They didn't. You, you mentioned several people who they didn't pursue criminal charges for, Jack, including Eric Holder. They also didn't pursue criminal charges for Lois Lerner at the IRS when she defied right. a congressional right. subpoena. So this is this is a partisan witch hunt and that the, the Biden Justice Department is working hand in glove with these partisan hacks on the January 6th committee. And this is that this should have been resolved through through civil litigation to resolve the claim of executive profession. Instead, they went right to criminal prosecution. Well, not only that, but, you know, when I look back and you
2: think about these issues right from a constitutional standpoint, from the having co- separate but co-equal branches if you had if you took away executive privilege you would then have the legislature anytime you had a case where there was a president of one party and a congress of another party they would spend their entire time litigating the president subpoenaing su- subpoenaing this subpoenaing that subpoenaing this, subpoena that all day long they would gum up everything that the administration was trying to do of course they would try to stop this because that's what they would do as an opposition party and the founders understood this they understood for the seamlessness of the president if you're going to have an executive branch then you have to have a serious executive who has the ability to function as an executive we never had a king but we we're going to have that executive but also and we're going to get into this a little bit in the next segment and we're going to bring in viva fry here we've got one minute left uh, Viva's got some announcements he's going to break out in terms of a special limited series podcast that he's putting together all for this week. But also, I want to get into, number one, how they've taken away the defenses that Steve Bannon would be able to present during this trial. And number two, the constitutional uh, constituency of this, of the actual committee itself for January 6th. What is it properly constituted, because as we can see in these hearings, there's no cross-examination. Uh, ironically, of course, Steve will have the ability to cross-examine witnesses if they even present any at the at the, his actual trial. In a way, though, you would not see at the committee hearing itself. All this and more coming up ahead, just behind the break. War Room continues. Bring
3: it on and fight to the end. Just watch and see. It's all started. Everything's begun. And you are over taking down the CCP. the word all through Hong Kong. We will fight till We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down
0: the CCP. You know what's never good? When your nation's supposed authority on economic policy completely misses the flashing red lights of impending inflation. Now, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has finally admitted, quote,
2: all right mypillow.com promo code Warroom the percal sheets this is a flash sale right right producer camera it's a flash sale right so it's a flash sale only available for limited time only for war room listeners you go to mypillow.com you hit the splash page for war room you can find the percal sheets 3998 i thought it was 99 no 3998 i want to be very clear about this with promo code war room it's time to replace your sheets you need to be upgrading your sleep system of course you start with the sheets you go to the pillow you go to the topper. you get everything else while you're there support lindell support the war room keep this fight going i want to go back now to mike davis of the article 3 project and finish up the conversation we were having in the just before the break because we were talking about how the january 6 committee has been constituted and the fact that anybody who spent any time watching these completely ridiculous Uh, hearings or if you watch the I don't know if anyone actually watched. uh, producer Cameron tell me if anyone in the live chats mentioning this but the uh, you know the hit piece that was done on war room by CNN over this weekend which is kind of amazing to me it was sort of like a greatest hits of war room plus just this ominous music you know war room you know we're going medieval on them but, you know, and they, and they put these, like, interlacing lines on top of the screen as if you're watching a bad 90s graphic or something, one of those, like, one of those VHS horror movies. But it, it was ridiculous. And I said, well, if you're just anyone who watches Worm, the whole thing was done as a jury tampering, jury influence operation the night before, of course, voir dire and jury selection begins today in Washington, D.C., which is taking place just down the street. As we sit, we are here in the war room, Stephen K. Bannon, in the Perryman Federal Courthouse as his show trial sets to get underway. But going back to the con- the constitutional issues, Mike, you were talking about how the Jan six committee, there's no cross examination of witnesses. Now, Steve, of course, at during voir and during uh, the actual trial itself, he will have the ability to mount an effective defense. And if he so chooses, his lawyer and his legal team can cross examine the witnesses. But we don't have any of that in the January six committee. And does this strike to the heart of the constitutional problems with this committee?
3: Well, I mean, this committee is clearly, clearly clearly this committee couldn't present their evidence that they did on TV. It wouldn't get into court, right? It's not subject to cross-examination. There's a lot of hearsay evidence. It would have serious constitutional problems in a court of law, but this is a kangaroo court. This January 6th commission is, it's, I, I don't even think they're trying to be fair at this point. They're, they're not allowing the Republicans to appoint their own members, which has been the tradition for every committee, uh, going back to our founding, that the minority has a role with these committees. And uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi just ignored that. And she handpicked two Trump deranged rhinos, uh, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, to be the, the Republican uh, members of this committee. It's just it's it's the, how it's constituted is completely fundamentally unfair from the beginning
2: incredible now i want to bring it also we've got the great viva fry who is joining us now viva has a little bit of announcement that he wants to make and i want to make sure we have him here do we have him and I want to, I'm not going to steal his thunder, I'm not going to steal it, I had to kind of mention in the other segment, but I wanted to bring him on to also to say thank you uh, for being willing to do this. I know it was kind of a last minute thing, a lot of phone calls, a lot of texts, a, uh, a late night secret meeting in Las Vegas, Viva Las Vegas, right, that we don't need to get too into, but Viva, tell us, what are you up to this week?
4: Well, you're going to start rumors that are a little bit uh, more serious than the actual, the, the news is that. I'm going to be doing did you actually wait
2: wait 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 wait. hold on hold on hold on wait wait wait. pump the brakes you were just in Las Vegas over the weekend you're a lawyer Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez were in Las Vegas getting married were you involved with the Bennifer wedding tell us the truth
4: yeah I am I am the wettest of wet blankets I go to bed early nothing good happens after midnight especially in Vegas so I was in bed early after dinner with Robert (laughs) Barnes both nights Speaking at a conference, the Freedom Fest, with James O'Keefe on a panel. Wait, wait, wait! You, you were at dinner with
2: him, not in bed, right?
4: I was in. I was in dinner with Barnes, and then in bed later, alone. I'm a married gotcha, man. Gotcha, gotcha. Right, that alone. was separate. Okay, okay. Uh, okay. The, the big news for this week, I'm going to be doing exclusive analysis for the post millennial. At the end of the day, 20 to 25 minute recap analysis of what's going on with the Bannon trial. I mean, the wow. the question is whether or not it's going to be able to fill 25 minutes, because what's going to go on with the Bannon trial? Jury selection federal court it goes exceedingly quickly Uh, lord knows what due diligence anyone's going to be able to do of meaningful due diligence of the jury which wouldn't change much because it's going to be 95 plus if not 100 percent, democrat anti-trump and anti-steve bannon to be expected Uh, and then what's left of bannon's defenses what's left to prove from the prosecution did you receive the subpoena did you respect the subpoena yes and no case closed
2: So this is huge, right? You're going to be producing and performing and hosting basically a limited podcast series all about the trial of Steve Bannon. It's coming out through Post Millennial. And I want to get into that and break that down just a little bit more. We've got a couple of minutes left because we haven't covered it yet. What is what do you mean? What, What do you mean he doesn't have defenses left? Why were defenses taken away from him? What's what's the update there on that?
4: So my understanding, and bear in mind, everybody, I'm a Canadian lawyer. I mean, contempt is contempt, and we have contempt in Canada. We have criminal and civil contempt. Uh, My understanding is that the judge, who happens to be a Trump appointee, has limited potential defenses of Steve Bannon, such as professional reliance, such as raising constitutional arguments about the legitimacy of the committee itself, which would undermine the validity of any subpoena issued by an unlawfully formed committee. The judge said professional reliance, you don't get to invoke as a defense. Uh, these are questions of law and not questions of fact to be submitted to a jury. So, And this is the thing, in a jury trial, the jury is the trier of fact. The judge is the gatekeeper for legal questions of admissibility of evidence. So the judge has already limited what would effectively be Bannon's material defenses. I, I understand that he saved uh, these objections for appeal so that if, or I will say when he's convicted, You can have uh, appeal arguments on these questions of law. Was the committee formed validly in the first place to ever issue lawfully binding subpoenas? And can you invoke professional reliance? I thought I was told that I had executive privilege and therefore was not compelled to testify. We'll see. But as far as the facts go, he received a subpoena. He did not respect the subpoena. Why he didn't is now effectively irrelevant. What's left to try? Uh, And so we'll see where it goes. They'll, they'll, They'll form the jury. They'll go through the motion, he'll get convicted, and then it's going to be a question, as far as I am concerned, the degree of the injustice is going to be, what is the sentence for defying a congressional subpoena? I think the last person convicted was, what's his name, Libby, uh, back in Watergate. Libby.
2: Yeah, Watergate, yeah Libby, I looked it up. I think it was 50, the, the 50 years.
4: Well, it was a long time ago, and the circumstances were somewhat different. Um, there's no question in my mind, Bannon did not respect the subpoena, whether or not It was a strategic play. We'll see. Um, But this is a political persecution, prosecution in terms of who they decide to go after, who they will convict and who they acquit. Lest we forget, in recent memory, Michael Sussman, dead to rights in his um, lying to the FBI, dead to rights. In writing. Acquitted. Actually in writing. In writing, billing the Clinton campaign for the meeting with the FBI that he said he was not there representing a client, dead to rights, acquitted. So it's a two-tier well, political me, system.
2: Oh, go for it. Well, yeah, I want to bring Mike Davis back, and we've got a couple of minutes left in the segment. Um, and I wanted to touch on something, Viva, you just brought up regarding appeals. Mike, can you walk us through, is this something that you see as turn, oh, going over on appeal could be potentially overturned if there is a conviction? And because of there's so many I'm, constitutional questions in this, is this something that we could potentially see before this Supreme Court?
3: Well, I mean, the D.C. Circuit would hear this appeal. Uh, Unfortunately, Obama stacked the D.C. Circuit with some left wing activists. So Bannon would have an uphill fight there. But I will say that he certainly has serious legal issues for appeal because the judge deprived him of his right to defend himself. I mean, the the judge said that he couldn't even talk about the fact that President Trump asserted executive privilege and that's President Trump withdrew that assertion of executive privilege. Bannon can't talk about the fact that he's relying on on advice of his attorney when he didn't cooperate with the, the House subpoena based upon this assertion of executive privilege. And it's it's puzzling to me why this judge won't let Bannon present that defense to the jury today. I mean, it's that is a clear defense. He's a, that President Trump asserted executive privilege, so he couldn't he could not comply with the subpoena. And so the question
2: then would go to the court because and it's my understanding that uh, it, this has yet to be ruled on in any Supreme Court because this is a this is the type of uh, charge that we do not see. It's extremely rare, certainly in the modern era, to see anything like this, that we don't even have any precedent necessarily for the president of the United States speaking to an outside advisor while currently the the occupant of the office of the president of the United States. Does executive privilege extend to that? It would seem that it does. And Alan Dershowitz came on this very program, right? The Alan Dershowitz came on this program just one week ago and stated that it is a valid claim of executive privilege. Uh, Final thoughts, uh, Mike Davis.
3: Well, I would say this. Here's my final thought. We have Supreme Court justices being harassed and intimidated in their homes, clearly in violation of federal obstruction of justice statutes. Merrick Garland won't do a damn thing about these harassment and intimidation campaigns on Supreme Court justices, another branch of government, yet they're going to go out of their way to uh, go after Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro for a, for obstruction of, of Congress over this uh, – after they're asserting a, uh, asserting a valid no, claim a clear- of executive –
2: clearly clear, clear case of selective prosecution Viva thank you again uh, congratulations on the announcement the limited series podcast where can people go to follow you and where can they follow more of these developments as the case continues
4: well uh, you can follow me viva fry on YouTube viva fry on rumble viva barneslaw.locals.com on locals for some daily stuff and in the evening I think you're going to find the exclusive uh, analysis on the post millennial
2: oh fantastic cannot wait to see that personally myself i know there's gonna be a lot going on but it's amazing to have you on board i know the war room posse is going to look forward to that because we want to know everything that's going on here in the imperial capital but we're also going to see what's going on down on the border with this report now from uvalde a border town a border school that led to a tragedy and you are
3: over. we're taking down the CCP.
2: the epidemic is a demon
4: and we cannot let this demon hide
0: war room pandemic here's your
2: host stephen k bannon all right jack Pasobic, host of human events daily powered by turning point usa filling in guest hosting as stephen k bannon is fighting the regime from the belly of the beast in the paramon federal courthouse just down the street we're here today but last night you know So I'm doing show prep for both shows because I'm running my podcast, Human Events Daily, every day, right? the podcast for people who don't like podcasts. It's only about 25 minutes long. Our motto on there, be good, be brief, be gone. It's exactly what I used to do, the commander's update brief in the military. Just a couple of stories in, out, analysis done every single day. And then also doing the show prep for War Room, uh, where I'll be guest hosting as long as they need me. And I just caught myself last night because... The Evaldi report has come out. This is the initial report, preliminary report from the Texas House of Representatives. It's 80 pages long. And even when I had all that going on, I said I had to sit down and start reading this. I couldn't stop reading it. I couldn't stop reading the complete incompetence of not only the local police, but we now know almost 400, 376 officers and agents of state, local, and federal police arrived on scene not one of them could go out and take out this 18 year old kid right then we also learn in addition to this uvaldi it turns out is on the nexus of the corridors between where del rio and eagle pass on the border that's the largest human trafficking smuggling corridor on the southern border from mexico right do you know how many lockdowns there have been at that school just from february of this year until the day of the shooting because of trafficking related, they call them bailouts. What's a bailout, right? A bailout is when the traffickers are chasing a car or a truck uh, and it goes through the school courtyard or goes through the, the, um, the playground or the parking lot, right? It comes up across, the police are chasing him, then they crash the car, then all the illegal aliens run out from the car and run out into the, court, into, into the school or run into the community, wherever they go, right? They had 47 lockdowns since February of this year on the Biden regime's watch, 47 lockdowns prior, including one, I looked it up on Twitter, the day before the shooting, right there in the, in the border town, of Valley. that's only one school, only one border town. And in the report, they stated the police had a lackadaisical approach to security alerts because they were so used to the human trafficking That was going on across there i want you to just want you just embrace that let that let that seep in to your soul into your consciousness let your blood run cold while you hear that 47 what are we doing to our children what are we doing to the children of our country so i'm going through this thing this government report that's come out and i appreciate that it is and i said i've got to bring somebody on who can go through this thing line by line with me and that of course is none other than the great darren Beatty from revolver news in order to be able to juxtapose what we see in this situation, the reports that we see coming out from this situation and the reporting and the response, and even, shall we say, the law enforcement actions on January 6th, Darren?
5: Well, it's great to be here. And yes, um, you have a tremendous display of incompetence um, at this uh, incident at the school. And it's a display of incompetence that is unfortunately, uh, probably increasingly the norm throughout American institutions, not just uh, the law enforcement uh, side of things. And so it was very interesting to see this display and sort of have to reevaluate the state of decline that uh, the country is actually in. Um, But as long as we're doing analysis, as you kind of gestured toward, there are a number of interesting uh, juxtapositions, parallels, and uh, contrasts even between the January 6th, um, failure, or, or was it, um, that might be worth discussing. Well,
2: that's exactly right, because you have a situation here where this individual, right, 18-year-old kid, he's a crazed gunman, in the state of Texas, no less, in a schoolhouse full of children. That's the one option where if, if you're a you know, proverbial good guy with a gun like this Good Samaritan that we were hearing about in the Indianapolis area mall, this Greenwood mall, uh, you, go take him out. But instead that's not what happens in this situation instead they wait they wait uh, the nobody takes charge nobody takes a leadership role everyone's waiting for instructions radios don't work it, it's a cavalcade of incompetence meanwhile on january 6 there is someone who is shot and killed and darren uh, what happened on january 6 and what was the response there
5: right yeah that's a, a great uh point of contrast is that at the Shooting in school, you had a kid, you know, shooting up school, shooting up kids, and law enforcement is unable to respond uh, and take, you know, neutralize the threat. Whereas on January 6, you have an unarmed lady, and she tragically gets shot and killed unnecessarily. And I'm, you know, I say that, you know, in a perfect world, or at least an improved world you'd have the January 6th Capitol police officer cleaning his hands and sanitizing his hands instead of uh, shooting Ashley Babbitt, and the Ovalde police would take the posture that unfortunately was taken with, uh, with Ashley Babbitt. So it's a weird case of incompetence in both sides, but incompetence uh, of, a, of a different variety extreme, but lethal aggression toward someone unarmed in the case of the Capitol situation and almost baffling, inexplicable, shocking degree of inaction in the case of Uvalde.
2: Well, there's another case of inaction that I'd, I'd like to bring to your attention. And this is the fact of, and, and your, your great friend, Mr. Ray Epps, and he's been given the star treatment recently uh he's got his new feature out in the New York Times um and yet we can see his actions both prior to and on the day of January 6 where he's clearly telling people and we have this on video not to say we don't have on video we have no idea right what else he was doing spending that time but we know for a fact that he is demonstrably inciting and organizing a riot at the United States Capitol and yet. He has not been charged, as far as I'm, I, I've heard. They brought, brought him before the committee. He was able to answer his questions privately, not publicly. Uh, they first uh, discussed, um, you know, they talked to him without a lawyer present, or it wasn't even under oath. And then finally, right, finally, we're last hearing that a 69-year-old woman is going to jail, to jail with cancer, a grandmother from Ohio, while um, all she was charged with was parading inside. Darren, help me understand this, because AOC is on the steps of the Capitol a couple of days ago saying that she also believes that it was an inside job.
5: Yeah, it's, it's a very bizarre thing. And I think anybody who approaches the issue objectively who isn't clouded by some kind of um, uh, political derangement syndrome, you don't even really need to be a Trump supporter at all. You just need to have two eyes and a head. Understand that the Ray Epps situation really doesn't add up, and you know, I have an open mind. I would love some kind of alternative, innocent explanation that is not he was on some sort of mission, that he was an inauthentic actor on that day. And his own sort of semi denial, which by the way, there was no blanket explicit denial in the New York Times piece, but the semi denial that he gave to the committee through his lawyer who incidentally it's not you know dispositive but as a circumstantial you know point of fact his lawyer is a 10-year veteran of the phoenix fbi office the very office whose agents actually denied knowledge of EPS's existence when they confronted journalists who went to epsis ranch so there are a lot of weird things about this but the the wording of his semi-denial really leans on this term law enforcement, that he says, I never belonged to law enforcement. I'd never been associated with law enforcement. Well, this opens a lot of possibilities and leaves them on the table. There's Department of Homeland Security. There's JTTF. There's military intelligence. He was a former Marine. And there's cutouts and intermediaries thereof. So really, the question is not whether he's you know, a card-carrying FBI agent. It's just where did he get this idea to urge people into the Capitol that he alone was propounding as early as the evening before and that the crowd around him thought was so bizarre and so incriminating that it, their immediate response was to call him a Fed? And yet he was yeah. undeterred by this low buying temperature and persisted in this mission throughout and carrying through on it up until and throughout January 6th, where he was right there at the initial breach site. How, what a coincidence that he just happened to be hanging out at the initial breach site. He didn't even go to the Trump speech, this great Trump supporter who traveled all the way from Arizona. He was right there at the initial breach site, whispering into a guy's ear two seconds before the first and decisive breach of the Capitol grounds. And this guy
2: well, and you know, there's there's a couple things with this. So, so first of all, and and I think I've I've said this before um, uh, on air that January fifth, that evening, I was on that plaza in Freedom Plaza where that video you're talking yeah. about took place, where they're they're chanting fed at him. Um, that's back when I was still with OAN, and we were just doing you know, your your proverbial man in the on the street interviews. You know, why are you out here tonight? What what do you hope for tomorrow? Hope for a lively debate, et cetera, et cetera, and. I've gone back and poured through the raw footage from that night, and we actually don't have footage of Ray Epps, but I can remember oh, him, too bad. I can remember him, I remember that altercation, I know, it's one of those things, and um, and that's, that's, you know, I actually went back to the guy and said, this is why you never stop filming, right? Um, and the interesting piece of it, though, that you mentioned in that statement where he says, I never belong to law enforcement. Well, that's not the way a source and a handler relationship works right so if you were a sub source you may not be a witting agent and to you know to play devil's advocate here that if he were right if he were an an informant of some source or an you know a source of an informant he wouldn't necessarily even know that someone he's talking to is an fbi informant and we know, of course, that the Proud Boys organization, the Oath Keepers organization have both been penetrated by federal informants. We've seen text messages come out in many of these cases. We've seen the, the channels uh, from the Michigan case. You know, how many people can you get into the van? Make sure as many people as possible come. We want to get them all together right again and again. But the other people don't know that they're interacting with a federal agent. They think that he's just a friend of theirs giving them a good idea
5: yeah I mean, there are a lot of possibilities. The term "fed is somewhat loose and colloquial. I think it's beyond any reasonable doubt from my view that given his behavior, he was on sort of some sort of mission. He was not acting authentically on that day. and the question of where did the mission come from and what exactly the arrangement was, that's yet to be revealed. And I hope that Ray Epps, you know, as long as he's doing his great publicity tour. He would actually subject himself to a real interview to ask these to answer these crucial questions that the New York Times has not covered the answer to as of yet. They do a whole piece on him, and the piece doesn't say where he got this idea to urge people into the Capitol and why he was so doggedly committed to it. And in fact, the two key times that he urged people into the Capitol, he prefaced it by saying, I shouldn't say this because I'm gonna get arrested. Well, Ray Epps, why don't you think you've been arrested?
2: Darren, we're we're just about out of time for the segment, but but of course, we'd be more than happy to have Mr. Epps on the war room to plead his innocence or to tell us his story. Darren, where can people go to follow you? Where can people go to follow with Revolver?
5: Revolver.news. If you haven't already, go right there, right at the top. We have our full and complete breakdown of the New York Times's puff piece, Redemption Tour, Sympathy for Ray Epps, which is... Ridiculous, but more so than you even imagine. So that's revolver.news. We're at Getter at Revolver News, and I'm on Twitter at Darren J. Beatty. All
2: right, thank you, sir. Coming up next, Richard Barris, going to be in the war room. This continues.
5: The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived superior technology no more selling your
4: personal data no more censorship no more cancel culture
6: enough getter has arrived it's time to say what you want the way
5: you want download now
2: i love that new getter ad it's totally different i, I like how it's younger or it's fresh i like that remember mypilla.com promo code war room or steve steve would say mypella mypella.com mypella Right. It's not billions, it's beans. not billions, it's beans. But speaking of numbers, I wanted to bring in the people's pundit himself, none other than the great Richard Barris to come in here, because originally I wanted to have him in to talk about some of the latest polls he's done, uh, looking at the Arizona races, some of the tightening, some of the, the you know, the, the takeaways there. But Richard, you were getting into it with Nate Silver last night. Can you tell us a little bit about, it? can you break this down? I want to give you a forum to be able to respond to Mr. Silver.
6: It's a perfect example of uh, him being a complete and total fraud. So he, he just openly admitted he doesn't have a model. He's a poll reader. So when a politician takes to social media, shows his model to people on social media, his own following, look, 538 is predicting we have a 90 percent chance of winning, and he calls it misinformation, saying no. This, we, is, we're this just, is the Maryland you know, governor, we're, we're right? Maryland governor's Yes, it is. Yep. We're just making an assessment based on the polls and the fundraiser. Well, anyone can do that, Jack. Anyone can go to OpenSecrets.org. Anyone can go to the FEC. Anyone can go to filings. Anyone can look up public polls. So he just openly admitted he's not a guru. He's not a pollster. He doesn't know the first thing about polling. If he sat in my chair, he would be clueless. You'd find him in an hour with his finger up his nose, picking away, doing nothing else because he wouldn't know the first thing to do. And he openly is telling. And, of course, if this was somebody he agreed with, he would have been nicer with him, of course, because he lets his bias interrupt his work all the time. But if you're calling a candidate, uh, you're telling them that your, your model is misinformation then you're just out for quoting the world. model for actually quoting accurately. quotes. This is what he happened the candidate for, for governor
2: quotes the model, he's the front runner on the Democrat side and quotes the model of Nate Silver. and Silver responds calling him Yum. misinformation for quoting his own model. So and it's like Silver, I'd, I'd like you to you, delete. I, keep, I keep wanting to call him Slimer like you because to- you call him Slimer all the time.
6: <laughs> yeah, we call him the Slimer at Five Turd Fake. I mean, it, it, he, I'd yeah. like you to delete. Uh, the tweet of my own model. This is such a fraud. That was the point of the uh, PPD election projection model for years when we ran it over there in People's spun Daily, is that there are variables that go into modeling. Why is this a secret at Nate Silver's website, the Slimer's website? Why is the secret sauce for his pollster scorecard such a great secret, Jack? Because the secret is he's full of crap. There's nothing in it. He's a poll reader, a glorified poll reader, and he's not even good at that. The truth is the man is a failed sports handicapper that nobody wanted in that industry anymore, so they kicked him to the only place where people would tolerate him, which is politics, and somebody floats him 6 million dollars a year because he's in the red every year to the tune of 6 million dollars. Folks, in the real world, as I'm sure War Room viewers know, in the real world you cannot bleed 6 mil every year and continue to operate Unless somebody wants you to operate. You're not profiting, you're not making any money.
2: Wow. So who is
6: paying them to run five turd fake? Oh, the entire
2: thing it's is simple. a it's with psychological operation, right? It's a psychological operation. That's in right. Order to put I mean so we can go back to 2016, you can go back to 20, you can look at all of these things. 98 chance Hillary, etc. etc. And if 14. she runs again, we'll, you know, probably say the exact same thing, right? 40 chance for trial, etc. etc. I'll go all the Oh, in 2014 as well. <laughs> But I wanted to dig into something. So, of course, uh, and you mentioned this during the break that so I'm hosting today, guest hosting, because of course, Steve is facing the music, but also facing the regime, the jaws of the beast itself, the Perryman Federal Courthouse just down the street from me. You've actually done some work, some polling work in the legal field people don't realize that you don't just do politics what well, it is political in a sense but it's not supposed political polls you do corporate work and you do work in the jury field along with uh attorney robert barnes and some others tell us a little bit about that work how you conduct it and also what you've learned about dc jury pools yeah. you're, you're, you're going okay they're telling me barris was dropped, so we'll, we'll try to get him back up but one of the things that barris was mentioning to me over the break that he said that they've done over at PPD, essentially. And I think everybody knows this, right? We know that in the D.C. jury, right, in the Washington D.C. area, you're looking at a 98% Democrat bias for the entire town, right? And so if you're pulling from that district, that's exactly who you're gonna find. You're also going to find a high cognitive dissonance in terms of people overstating, right, Dunning-Kruger effect, overstating their own intelligence. Now, I've lived here for 10 years. So, this doesn't come as news to me whatsoever. And, Bruce Campbell, let me know if you get him back. But these people will do whatever they hear on CNN or MSNBC. Rich, do we have you back?
6: Yeah, I'm here, brother. I'm here. Hey, two minutes. I was just kind of summarizing.
2: Yeah, I was just kind of summarizing. Yeah, yeah, no, I got you.
6: Yeah, and I was actually, uh, I could hear what you were saying. Tell us what you found. Tell us what you found. Oh, you could. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I could. I, I could. And, and you were really, you were spot on. I just add to that, uh, this real bad case of illusory truth effect. Even when you present the facts and the evidence to these people, you could show them video clips, uh, showing them that what they have been told by the media or, or have been led to believe is incorrect. And despite being educated people, supposedly smart people, they refuse to believe the truth. They, they will they will hunker down. They will get in that bunker and just and, and hold the line on the lies. Um, we've done a lot of work Loser-y in high-profile cases. Wow. Yeah. We've done a lot of work on high-profile cases. Robert Barnes also. Uh, we've been looking at this issue for a long time. The bottom line is re- the Republicans have to act. Democrats are never going to do it. Republicans have got to figure out how to pass legislation to to fix this, because nobody, not Steve, not anybody who is in the political arena will ever get a fair trial in the D.C. area. Ninety ten. Ninety five. Ten is not a mention. Rich, we're we're just out of time for the segment. Tell us where can people go to
2: find you and find more of your opinions? I know you keep them to yourself about Nate Silver.
6: <laughs> Absolutely, I try my best. You know, the best place to find me, of course, is on Locals. People's Get your t-shirts, all right? And uh, you know, also on Getter at People'sPundit, Truth at People'sPundit, and on uh, Twitter still at People's. Alright, thank you, Rich. Pundit.
2: Coming up, we have to warn people. We're going into the belly of the beast now. The Authoritarian Precinct Project. Big warning to CNN. Coming up next.